There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, good morning, everybody. Today is Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Welcome to episode number 564 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Cyber Hamburger, folks over on LinkedIn like Nicholas Vidal, people on uh, YouTube like Sebazot, Marcus Kyler, the Eat Crew, Yakota Strong, Nerman Zlotvanovic, Zlot, Zlot, Nerman. Jehe and Michelle, my friends, Linda Smith, Chris Young, ZMF, Mr. Green Reads. We've got James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet with a joke of the day. So many people. Ray Tierney in chat. Good to see you. Minute. It's been a minute, Ray. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you take this information and drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for, folks. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, I know it's a lot to take in all at once, but believe me, just keep, just keep, keep eating, keep spooning. Yep. And this right here, you will be asked at any job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? This threat briefing podcast is a chef's kiss answer uh, to that question. Believe me. Also, the networking is top notch. Look at all those um, people, uh, Simply Cyber community members sliding through here. I love it. Team Yeet Friday uh, coming over on LinkedIn. Ms. Julian coming in hot. CC Dubs. We got this, y'all. It's going to be a great show. We've got a great slate of stories lined up for you. But just so you know, I do not prepare or research for any of the stories. I don't even know what they are. I know there's one about Lockbit. You know, big surprise. Lockbit's very, very hot right now, right? Oh, it's so hot. That answer's so hot right now. <laughs> Lockbit's so hot right now. But anyways, we're going to have a good show, I promise you. But before we get into it, let me say shout out and love to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Believe that cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. They can yeet those threat actors out the environment. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security. Panopsi, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. If you need something tactical like a tabletop exercise or an enterprise risk assess uh, assessment or something a bit more strategic like, you know, information security program planning, VCSO type work, um, staff augmentation for your executives, etc. This is where Panopsi Security shines bright. At a minimum, drop it uh, in your uh, 
bookmarks. And next time you have a need, uh, panopsize where it's at. Brandon Poole, if you know Brandon Poole, he's been on the show a couple times. Excellent practitioner, really smart guy. Uh, he runs Panopsize Security and definitely can help your business as well. I do want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon Training, but more about those beautiful babies at the mid-roll. Love what Anti-Siphon's training. Zach Hill over there, Deb Wigley, Jason Blanchard, John Strand. You guys know the crew. It's all about good times. All right, guys. Now, before we shred into the news, I want to remind you each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like this one, is worth half a CPE. So say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team SC. I've seen some people uh, say Team SC and then the date, uh, uh, which is fine. Uh, grab a screenshot. That's why I put the stream, uh, the chat on stream so you can screen cap it and uh, file it away. Put it in a folder on your desktop. It doesn't matter. Just once a day. Five seconds, five seconds, five seconds. And then at the end of the year, when you have to do CPEs, you literally just select all, divide the number of screenshots you have by one half, and that's the number of CPEs you got. It's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, giddy up on that. Now, if it's your first episode, I see some long timers in here. A lot of blue badges. Kimberly can fix it. Blue badging, carry blue badging. But if it's your first episode, Welcome to the party, pal. We love welcoming our first-timers. So let us know, hashtag first-timer in chat. See, It's so great to see some regulars uh, on the regular, right? David Beard, Chris Young, some newcomers that are um, feel like they've been here a long time, even though they're relatively new. Some, <clears throat> some, new <clears throat> some Simply Cyber community members coming back, like Ray Tierney. Good to see you, Ray. Matthew Necci's in the house. Rhonda Rummerfield in the low country. So good. It's so nice. So, hey, if it's your first time, just hashtag first timer in chat so we can recognize you with our special emotes and special sound effects. Welcome to the party, pal. It's so good. Uh, Mr. Dovalina, Mr. Dovalina, Mr. Bob Dovalina, second episode, judges. Yes, we're going to say it. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Also, killer name. Hey, Saber Storm. Saber Storm with a first timer. All right, guys. I love I love welcoming the first timers. I love hashtag Team SC. I am, uh, uh, you know, not just up here running the show, but I'm also a hashtag Team SC community member as well. So Saberstorm and uh, Saberstorm will be our avatar for first timers today. Hey, Milton, good to see you. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Uh, so here, this is what we do, first timers, every day, showing up, putting in the work. Uh, it's a lot of fun to kick it, but now we got to do uh, we got to do some work here. So do me a favor, Saber Storm, and all you hashtag Team SC community members, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. Hey, Steve. Lockbit was building next-generation encryptor before a takedown. Monday's takedown of Lockbit, led by the FBI and the UK's National Crime Agency, along with other partners, has been the story of the week. 
We covered the takedown news on Tuesday, the seizure of key assets and arrests of affiliates on Wednesday, and yesterday we highlighted the fact that the gang did not delete stolen data, even after having been paid, and that the U.S. State Department is now also offering rewards of up to $15 million to anyone who can provide information about Lockbit ransomware gang members and their associates. It now also appears that its developers were secretly building a new version of their file encrypting malware called Lockbit ng-dev, but probably to be eventually renamed Lockbit 4.0. This latest version was written in .NET rather than C and supported three encryption modes, provided randomization of file naming to complicate restoration efforts, and had a self-delete mechanism. A link to a technical analysis of Lockbit 4 prepared by Trend Micro is available in the show notes to this episode. All right. Uh, so I have thousands of get out of here, Steve. So, hey, all right. Um, I love it. You know, guys. I love I love the absolute scorched earth approach that international law enforcement is taking with Lockbit. This is what happens when you're king of the mountain, okay? When you're the top threat actor, when you're the big dog, you're the whale in the room. Um, you call you get a lot of attention, right? It you know, like uh, Guru said, it's lonely at the top at whatever you do. So Lockbit getting all this attention, um, international law enforcement rips down their infrastructure. Got them on the run. $15 million bounty on anyone's head associated with it. They're coming for you. I told you. Um, now we're getting, you know, obviously they confiscated a lot of the uh, infrastructure equipment, software, etc. And they're going through it. Now, two things. One, I love this international uh, cooperation, not just with law enforcement, but like Trend Micro is the one who did the deep dive analysis on this next gen. By the way, LOL. Lockbit for uh, using essentially a you know industry buzzword uh, next gen uh, in order to like market your your uh, affiliate ransomware services, but uh, uh, you know I digress. Um, they're out there uh, working on this and gave it to Trend Micro to do a deep dive technical analysis. So if you like rolling your sleeves up and getting uber nerdy. Uh, I would recommend uh, looking at this analysis. I, I actually uh, want to read it myself. It's not that long. It looks like it's uh, eight pages, basically seven pages if you take out the uh, header and footer pages. Uh, and it goes into a little bit of dis uh, description. Uh, this might be a great opportunity if you're looking to, um, you know, if you're like looking for content ideas to add value, kind of LinkedIn blog posts and stuff like that. Um, this is a great idea. Read this and then summarize it with like two, three key points, um, like a technical analysis, three key points you need to know about the next gen. It's right now, it's very hot. It's very trendy, right? Everybody's talking about Lockbit. So that's just a fun idea. Um, I want I want to uh, call your attention. Like, obviously, what I do with these stories is I, you know, I'm sharing them, obviously, so we're aware of what's going on. But also, I like to pick out uh, interesting things and share my observations on them. Um, this observation that I want to share with you here, um, it just further shows why Lockbit is number one in like the ransomware threat actor space. Not only are they highly effective, but they're investing back into their operation. They were ready to deploy a brand new encryptor, a brand new malware payload that offered different functionality and different features. Again, guys, it is a criminal enterprise, but it is a business. 
And businesses need to constantly innovate and think about like their customer base and what the customers want and what features they can market and sell. Like this is straight up a business. They are making a loads of money, quasi sorry, Kennedy. They're making a loads of money and they want to keep making money. So like literally like they could have just sat on their butt and like, just, you know, let it run with Lockbit 2.0 or three. You know what I mean? Like there was no, there was no driver for them to go next gen, but I bet you they were getting feedback from their affiliates and seeing some of their victims not get successfully victimized. And they're like, oh, like let's improve our product in order to stay on top. This is innovation, but it's just crime, okay? Anyways, um, I, I, I halfway wonder if law enforcement had insights into Lockbit actually developing a new tool and that's what caused them to accelerate taking down Lockbit. I, I don't know, obviously, um, if that is true or not, but um, again, I just love this. We we were desperately, um, we were we were desperately in need of a of a major win on the ransomware battlefront, and um, this is you know this is a tall glass of ice water on a hot summer day after walking across like you know I don't know. <laughs> like the desert or something like that. So way to go. I love to see all this information continue to come out from Lockbit takedown. I desperately want a story to show up that says leaders of Lockbit ransomware arrested. That's what I want. Wireless customers suffer outage. U.S.-based customers of Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T, including some 911 services, found themselves without wireless services much of yesterday. This included customers in North Carolina, Louisiana, Texas, Florida, California, Massachusetts, Michigan, and Minnesota. Just to name a few. As of this recording, a cause has not been identified. However, by late Thursday afternoon, AT&T stated that three quarters of its network had been restored. The outages felt by customers of Verizon and T-Mobile were explained as being problems encountered while trying to connect with, quote, other networks, end quote. Pris yeah, I hope, I mean, dude, I don't know how, hey, Nicholas, thanks for the squad membership. I, I don't know how they could possibly not disclose what happened. Um, the, my family was personally impacted about this. I was not impacted. I'm on AT&T and I had service all day. My wife, Mrs. Osier, though, uh, she was down, you know, most of the day, um, which somehow <laughs> doesn't seem fair. Um, but anyways... Um, I will say for me, from a, um, from a, uh, kind of cybersecurity professional perspective, a lot of people, it was trending on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Hashtag cyber attack. Um, you know, guys, if you were going to do a massive cyber attack, like think, think if you haven't seen the movie Red Dawn and I'm not talking about the reboot, I'm talking about the OG one with Patrick Swayze. Um, you know, like that, like, be, be, I'm sorry, I'm like making a deep cut reference and then not explaining. Basically, red, the concept of Red Dawn was that Russia invades the United States in like a massive soldier deployment um, in, in like small towns and rural areas and stuff like that. Uh, cool concept. Anyways, if you were going to do something like that, communications, guy, I'm telling you, communications is one of the number one things that you disrupt immediately right before you attack, right? Like, um, because you cannot coordinate a response. You cannot convey that this is happening. Communication uh, disruption is massive. 
Think about when Russia invaded Ukraine, right? Like literally right before they put boots on the ground in Ukrainian territory, they took out the internet, right? That's why Elon had to fly Starlink over. Okay. So anyways, um, you know, this was rooted in reality. Now, again, I, I get tinfoil hat guys, tinfoil hat right here. Tinfoil hat. Where's my tinfoil hat? And for a um, saber storm tinfoil hat, I throw this emote out whenever I'm about to say something that's like my opinion only and not rooted in any reality. Um, this right here, think about this from like a nationwide panic perspective, right? People lost their mind when Colonial Pipeline was impacted. If this was a state-sponsored disruption, whether it was a attack just to see what American response would be. Or if it was an attack that got that was part of a larger coordinated attack and it got thwarted by U the United States, I don't know. But obviously, from a, a public, you know, public fear perspective, the U.S. federal government would want to control that. AT&T, Verizon—they are big players, big big companies. So obviously, they're going to have you think direct lines of contact to you know the 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 White House, if you will. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know if we'll ever find out the true story. I mean this this is a pretty easy story to wash over with, you know, oh some junior engineer <gasps> accidentally, you know, uh double click something or installed something or you know configured a patch incorrectly or some stupid BGP update, whatever. Like these things can happen, but it was an interesting insight into the fragile, I think it's Italian, another deep cut, into how fragile um, you know, the communication network system is. And guys, if you use AT&T service in order to uh, coordinate with employees and workforce and stuff, you probably felt that disruption. So again, from a business continuity perspective, it's unrealistic to have everyone in your workforce have an AT&T cell phone and everyone have a Verizon cell phone also. But if you did experience any type of significant, you know, kind of quasi-catastrophic disruption because of this yesterday, you should absolutely do a lessons learned, which is, you know, a standard practice after incident response. Do a lessons learned and it, like, look at, hey, like we were unable to do X, Y, and Z because of this outage yesterday. That's a problem. We should spend the $1,200 a year to get the CEO an extra cell phone or to get the head of sales an extra cell phone or whatever, right? Figuring a hundred bucks a month, right? So, but is the, is the, what is the return on the investment worth it? Like whenever you do lessons learned and you're introducing new controls, it has to be like, hey, because the head of sales was down yesterday, we missed out on a $30,000 deal or whatever. So is it worth it to spend 1200 bucks on a bonus phone on a separate network or a sat phone or something like that? Maybe, I don't know. That's why you do lessons learned. All right, thanks everybody for allowing me. I, I guess today, Friday, uh, February 23rd is like deep cut 80s movie references by Jerry, I guess, I don't know. Descriptions on hold due to change healthcare cyber attack. The health technology firm Change Healthcare confirms that this attack has led to delays in processing prescriptions for patients. Change Healthcare merged with Optum in 2022, which itself is a subsidiary of United Health Group, which has, quote, access to around one third of U.S. patients and which handles 15 billion healthcare transactions annually, end quote. In addition to prescriptions, quote, pharmacy, medical records, dental, payment services, and patient engagement services are still affected, end quote. 
This incident, which is still ongoing at the time of this recording, has been confirmed as being contained to change healthcare only, with all other systems across United Health Group <clears throat> remaining operational. All right, so here we go. Shout out really quickly to Deb Wigley, who's also wearing the uh, the cool new uh, shirt from Black Hills Infosec. We'll give you an anime wow, Deb. Good stuff. All right, so guys, Optum Healthcare getting smacked around yesterday. Uh, or a couple days ago, I, I am in private uh, group chats with people who work in healthcare still because I worked there for a number of years. Uh, and I'm, I'm seeing some of the kind of fallout response to that stuff. Um, the story here talks about leads to prescription delays. Now, remember, when you are like, guys, in the United States, at least, I'm sure it's similar in other countries. Um, it, it is very complicated, right? You've got the, obviously, hold on, let me do this. <clears throat> obviously you have the doctor who like goes and hits your knee with the little hammer and your leg pops and everything like that. Like the physical touching of a patient that still works, but like the business of healthcare, at least in the United States is incredibly commercialized and capitalized. That's why, unfortunately, if you, if you're a medical doctor in chat and, or you work in clinical services and you want to, um, hashtag preach on this one. Let me know or, or share your own thoughts. But anyways, this is why doctors need to touch like 30 patients a day. That's why when you go in to get service or, you know, not service, like you're getting an oil change, but um, like when you go in to get your annual physical or whatever, the nurse kind of runs you through and then the doctor comes in and talks to you for like five minutes. It's almost impersonal. And then they move on to the next one. It's because they're grinding like, like it's manufacturing and they're, they're pushing out widgets. All of that touching has to be captured in an electronic medical record. All of your blood work and labs has to be filed and, and, and run through different integrated apps. There's orchestration, automation, it's bananas. And then don't even get me started on the rev cycle piece of it because everything you touch, your insurance company needs to be made aware of that. And that goes out to the insurance company. Revenue cycles come in, billing, in, like insurance, deltas, it, it, it's it's freaking out of control, which is why the uh, healthcare industry relies on technology and applications so strongly. So when you have one that is as big as Optum Healthcare and the support apps that they have, you could see um, it looks like a lot of their apps are are currently working fine, but clinical decision support, clinical network all down, right? APIs, exchanging of information, gateways, cost transparency, customer portals, dental, eligibility, enrollment, like, like all of their services are down. So if you are a healthcare organization and you, you know, you're like a small shop or something, or even a, a larger shop, uh, rural healthcare impacted, you're screwed right now because yes, you're still able to see patients, but, but you might not know who's coming in today. Because the scheduler's down. You don't even know who's coming in or what they're coming in for. You don't know what they're allergic to or what they've taken. You, people who need service can't schedule it. This is incredibly disruptive. Um, I hope Optum gets back up for the for the safety of patients, frankly, and general pop healthcare. But you need to have workarounds, workflows. Further, getting back to the actual story, they're saying prescription delays. This is I feel like they cherry pick prescription delays just to point out that how bad would that suck if you're on some life, like say you have lupus, right? And you need some medicine on the regular uh, or you have diabetes and you need some medicine on the regular, right? To, to live and you can't get it because of some freaking cyber attack. Get out of here with that noise, man. So 
This is not good. Again, if you work in healthcare, if you're InfoSec in healthcare, the mission is quite real. And having, um, first of all, downtime procedures is important. But if you're the uh, an apt software group in healthcare, you have to be doing tabletop exercises. You have to be having backups. Um, also, one other thing that doesn't get mentioned often enough, in my opinion, um, when you suffer a catastrophic uh, cyber attack, downtime stuff, Look at all these systems down, right? Riddle me this. Riddle me this. Which one comes up first? Is it the financial clearance system? Is it the revenue performance advisor? Is it the third-party admin? Is it all the APIs? I don't know. Is it the email server? Is it IT infrastructure completely unrelated to the clinical software that you use to support your clients? I don't know. But my point is, as part of your... um incident response and as part of your tabletop exercises and as part of beefing up your the response section of your uh, response and recovery section of your NIST cybersecurity framework in implementation, you need to know what order to bring things up. There's only so many of you. There's only so many hours. There's only so much like resources to apply to recovery. So if everything is down, you don't, this isn't a video game. You don't take the Nintendo cartridge out, blow in it and stick it back in and everything works again. You have to bring things up in a coordinated fashion in a certain order. If you don't bring, for example, if you don't bring the domain controller up first, then people can't access resources and authenticate using federated authentication into systems. So that's all dorked up. So it doesn't do you any good of getting the RevCycle uh, software back up because we need to be able to bill because no one can freaking log into it. You, you, sorry, Kennedy. I'm getting all, I'm like spitting on the mic. I'm getting so flustered. Like people oversimplify the recovery process of catastrophic cyber attacks because they're on their phone, not paying attention. They're like, oh, we would just recover from backups. Mm -hmm. Can you pass me a crawler? And it's like, no, Kevin, which order? Which, what's the first system? Tell me, tell me the first system that comes up. Well, I, exactly, exactly. Industrial sector ransomware attacks increased by 50% last year. A new report from Dragos says that ransomware in the industrial sector increased 50% from 2022 to 2023 to become that sector's primary attack vector. Lockbit was responsible for a quarter of all industrial ransomware attacks with Alf V and Black Basta accounting for 9% each. The manufacturing sector remains the primary target. The report also outlines three new OT threat groups, Voltzite, Gainanite, and Lorianite. Voltzite targets electric power generation, transmission and distribution, as well as defense industrial bases, satellite services, telecommunications, and educational organizations. It is associated with Volt Typhoon. Gananite, G-A-N-A-N-I-T, currently targets critical infrastructure and government entities in the Commonwealth of Independent States using publicly available <laughs> proof-of-concept exploits for internet-exposed endpoints and also focuses on espionage and data theft. Laurionite, L-A-U-R-I-O-N-I-T-E, targets and exploits Oracle eBusiness Suite I supplier web services and assets across aviation, automotive, and manufacturing industries. A link to the Dragos report is available in the show notes to this episode. Jesus, Grimey. like like Alpha Sierra said, sounds like a bunch of Sailor Moon villains. Um, all right, hey guys, standard operating procedure. 
If you work in the industrial sector, energy and gas, you work with OT systems, operational technology, industrial control systems. Dragos is kind of the front runner. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, I forgot about the bingo thing. We should definitely, I'm sorry about that. Um, let's talk about that afterwards. Um, if you work in the industrial sector, you should know this. This report, Dragos is the leader in that space. You should absolutely grab this report. You should absolutely be making content in that report, part of your briefings to your executives. On the regular, guys, consistent, consistent vigilance. This is the deal. You can't just say like, oh, this guy's falling and then run out of the room. Like you have to just be uh, consistent, frankly. Um, increased by 50% in 2023. Um, maybe... Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it didn't, but um, the, the the lead here is ransomware. But they covered a whole bunch of other things. Volt Typhoon is the um, the Chinese based espionage threat actor that uh, Microsoft and um, federal law enforcement like like broke down and and kind of compromised. They are not a ransomware threat actor. They are straight espionage, uh, and they're all about like deep deep seeds and getting in there and uh, setting hooks in and then, you know, um, waiting or doing, you know, like waiting, listening, whatever. Um, I'm not going to do much more than this. Like basically manufacturing has been, um, you know, the, the soup du jour, if you will, um, for ransomware threat actors and industrial sector is now on the come. So basically TLDR, if you work in the industrial sector, A, you should be doing tabletop exercises and validating your workflows and processes and your uh, protection controls um, from ransomware. Don't worry about your detection controls of ransomware. The threat actors will handle that one for you. Um, and you know that's basically it. So let's keep going. And now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. Conveyor, the security questionnaire automation software that one of their customers dubbed, quote, my favorite security tool of the year, end quote, is now even better. They've upgraded their browser extension for portal-based questionnaires, and it can now auto-fill one trust portal questionnaires in one click. You can test the AI in a free proof of concept at www.conveyor.com, and that is C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-R.com. And mention this podcast for five free questionnaire credits when you purchase an enterprise plan. All right. Mention this podcast for five free sound effects. That Hansel's so hot <laughs> right now. All right, guys. Hey, welcome to the mid-roll Saber Storm. We do this every day, too. All right, guys, it's the mid-roll. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. If you're getting entertainment value, educational value, any value, do me a favor, hit the like button. It's not for vanity metrics. It's literally to trigger the YouTube algorithm. Let's hack the YouTube algorithm and basically have other people like SaberStorm find the show on Monday morning for the first time. Let's keep that first-timer train running. All right, I want to say shout-out and thanks. I don't think we had a, a baton holder yesterday, so I'm going to need a a, rec, a, a a volunteer. Hey, I want to say a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors against Barricade Cyber Panopsi Security, always pushing it. But guys, don't sleep on anti-siphon training. Anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high quality, cutting edge education to everyone, including you, 
regardless of financial position, meaning you can take many of their classes for $0, which doesn't mean it's not valuable. It's actually quite valuable. They've just made it accessible to everyone, regardless of financial position. On top of that, they offer their students the opportunity to learn skills. So you get hands-on keyboard experience, practice what is taught. So you're doing real work, real skills and you can engage with a dynamite community in a fun and inclusive way, which is basically what, what we got going on over here. This community over here, there's a lot of overlap between Simply Cyber Community, hashtag Team SC, and um, the Black Hills Information Security, AKA Anti-Siphon community. So giddy up on that, links in the description below. Go check out their upcoming um, education. And if you like, say hi to Deb Wigley in chat. Let me give her a wave. There's Deb. Hey, Deb. All right, guys. I want to tell you about the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Uh, I see Sabazot. Sabazot said he would be interested in it. So, Sabazot, let's do this. Let me do this really quickly. Doink. Guys, I would love to tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Very simple. Saberstorm, for example, you may not know this, but listen, if you want to blow up your professional network, it's very easy for five minutes a day. Go to LinkedIn, which is where you know professional social uh, interactions occur. Search for the hashtag that you see at the bottom right now. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Once you find that hashtag, connect with the people posting using it. Comment on their posts. Connect with the people in the comments. Let me repeat that. Find their posts. Connect to the people posting, connect, comment on the post, connect to the people in the comments. What will happen is the next person who comes through and connects to the people in comments will connect with you because you're in the comments. So five minutes actively a day, 23 hours, 55 minutes passively a day, you'll blow up your network. Come back in two weeks and tell me I'm wrong. You won't. Now for the baton holder, every day we get to pick one person. And Sabazot said he would like it. So let's do this. All right. So Saba, go over to LinkedIn. Share your post, your story. Why do you love cybersecurity? Why are you a member of the Simply Cyber community? Share that story. Use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and tag me so I can amplify it. Let's go. It's the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's dynamite. Now, every single day of the week has a special uh, segment. And Fridays are Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. We got a couple good ones today. James McQuiggan wants us to know that a sequel statement walks into a bar and sees two tables. He, it, uh, the sequel statement approaches the table and says, may I join you? May I join you? Okay, really quick though, seriously, have you heard about the band called The Dark Web? Have you guys heard about that new band, The Dark Web? I love them. Um, they're always on tour though. They're always on tour. Oh my God, all right. Hey, what happens when you cross a cell phone with a skunk? What happens when you cross a cell phone with a skunk, James? Oh my God, you get stinky service. Oh my. Uh, just like yesterday with AT&T, my friend. Uh, those are the jokes of the day presented by James Wiggin at 35,000 feet. Thanks, James, so much. Let's keep going. Doppelganger targets German elections through influence. 
According to research from Sentinel Labs and Clear Sky Cybersecurity, the group Doppelganger, which is aligned with Russia, has been busy sending out propaganda and disinformation content to influence public opinion regarding Ukraine and German elections. Using a range of social media platforms, especially X, formerly Twitter, the group reposts content from popular profiles or simply fakes them and points readers to longer articles. An advisory sent from the researchers states, quote, We anticipate that doppelgangers' activities, targeting not only Germany but also other Western countries, will persist and evolve, particularly in light of the major elections scheduled across the EU and the USA in the coming year, end quote. All right, so this shouldn't surprise anyone, okay? Um, Russia, like, so China, well known for their espionage, espionage, Russia, really, really good at misinformation, disinformation, information warfare, uh, and they, they're, they're phenomenal at it. Now, this doppelganger group, um, I don't know if it's the same thing as Fancy Bear. Uh, you got to remember, like, in Russia, like, they have a bunch of factions, but, like, Cozy Bear is, like, their advanced... A team cyber hackers, they penetrate networks and do bad stuff, aka like sandworm and stuff. And then uh, Fancy Bear is like their misinformation super team. Um, this says doppelganger, but you know, there might be some overlap. Here's the deal they're targeting elections. Now, how do you sow discord? How do you sow um, uh, misinformation and stuff like that? You have what, you know, basically social proof. So, what they have done here is they have several, like lots and lots of Twitter accounts or X accounts, right? So lots of them, let's say 10,000, right? If it's your job, you get up and go to work nine to five and your job is to create Twitter accounts and, and you know, automate stuff, then that's all you do. So it's possible to have, you know, 10,000 or whatever accounts. Then I'm sure they're using AI, by the way, then having a bunch of websites like blog posts and sites that look legit. They probably have tools that auto build these sites and create them. So what you end up doing is, hey, like this candidate says whatever, right? And then you have a bot army come on top of them and say, oh yeah, I heard that too. Now you're starting to push social proof. And another person comes on a bot account. Oh yeah, absolutely. I saw that. Check out this article here. And the article goes to a controlled propaganda misinformation website and takes people off off a uh, platform to that where now you're controlling the messaging. And once you do that, I mean, you really can, Hey, drop your, um, drop your email address here for a newsletter. And now you can just directly be pumping misinformation into these people. Uh, we saw it with unbelievable effectiveness in 2016 as like really serious polarizing topics were being driven on the Twitter platform. Um, you, you, here's the thing, like you, Technically, you could control misinformation, disinformation on the platform, but when you drive users off platform to your own long form content that is, you know, misinformation or designed to um, confuse or misinform, Twitter can't control that, right? So if someone's saying, oh, this is, you know, this is what I believe, check out this site, Twitter can't, I mean, in my opinion, Twitter can't really investigate or take that down because it's not really violating uh, you know, terms of service. So we'll see, obviously you're going to see this mostly focused on NATO country elections. Uh, Germany's a big fan, big friend of the United States. Uh, you're going to see this in 2020 election. Like I'm, I'm stunned, uh, excuse me, the 2024 election. I'm stunned. We haven't already started seeing it. Um, 
But, you know, we'll see. Cyber pros embrace AI, says ISC2. According to a new report from ISC2, the security certification organization, quote, most cybersecurity professionals believe that AI will have a positive impact on their jobs, helping alleviate pressures caused by the cyber skills gap, end quote. The report found that 82% of respondents agreed that AI will improve job efficiency for cyber professionals, with 35% stating that it already has. The report says, however, that only 27% of cybersecurity professionals said their organizations have a formal policy in place to govern the safe and ethical use of AI. A link to the ISC2 report is also available in the show notes to this episode. Yeah, okay. Welcome to the party, pal. Like, Welcome to the party, pal. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, okay, I appreciate that this survey does align with what I've been saying. I, I spoke last night to uh, Sandra Liu from With Sandra. We talked to AI a little bit. We both agree. Uh, AI is an enabler. Um, you know, and honestly, I, I feel like, a, again, I've said this multiple times, like we're in the AI age. So if you didn't realize that, you know, the internet age is over. We live in the AI age and using AI to do your work, like whatever your work is, whether it's your job, your nine to five, your side hustle, whatever, if you're not using AI, you're going to get left behind. It's plain and simple. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like it's 2002 and you're not using the internet to do your job, right? Like you're, you're going to be hard pressed and lapped by the competition. So AI um, will definitely enhance jobs. It can do all sorts of wonderful things, you know? So anyways, like if you're not using it, you should definitely, uh, you know, investigate uh, how to use it. Um, Let's see. They're saying, okay, so they also say, how can AI be used? Uh, just to look at this survey really quickly, they talk about analyzing user behavior patterns, automate repetitive tasks. So automate repetitive tasks is probably like the number one thing that I see it being used for. Um, monitoring traffic and detecting malware. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll see about that. Okay, guys. Um, dark trace, not to like, you know, name drop, but like dark trace, basically this is what they've been doing for years uh, with their technology. And some people love it and some people don't love it. When you're using AI to monitor traffic and detect malware, you can't really do detection tuning on it because it's AI and it'll figure it out. But the thing is threat actors who live off the land and use things that are supposed to be um, in use will be able to kind of hide and, and, and um, not be seen. Furthermore, Dude, false positives happen all the time. AI might be making more false positive hits. And if that happens, you're going to be like, not, um, you're going to be having a degradation in political capital, i.e. you're going to be pissing the business off. Sorry, Kennedy. You're going to be angering the business by, you know, basically uh, introducing a lot of friction if you let AI go ham on your network. Okay. So I, I, I love the use of it. We'll see. Um, Dude, if I see another like AI, you know, enabled uh, sticker on technology, I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, final thing I'll say, just because I see it all the time, um, I'm seeing AI being used a lot in like marketing and sales. Like if I get another email, like literally I get like 15 emails a day from 15 different people. I'll like, oh, hey, Jerry, like love your content. Love this one video. Like that, you know, it's like four years old and didn't even perform well. Love this video. 
I was thinking we should talk. I can like 10 X your business. Like give me a call. It's like, it's like such an AI, like it's such an AI generated email. I see it all the time. So uh, a lot of marketing people are using it as well. Anyways, I digress. It's it just, it's, it's a little bit of sand in my shorts because um, it clogs up my inbox and I miss like legitimate emails now because I get so many emails that are bleh. Open source SSH snake tool weaponized for network attacks. SSH snake is a self-modifying worm designed essentially to intelligently patrol a network infrastructure to detect weaknesses before attackers do. It now appears to have been co-opted by threat actors to use these powers to harvest credentials and IP addresses of targets and to use SSH keys to gain a deeper foothold inside a network. According to the Hacker News, quote, it creates a comprehensive map of a network and its dependencies, helping determine the extent to which a network can be compromised using SSH and SSH private keys starting from a particular host. FTC. Sorry, I... I... I have a 9 a.m. meeting um, that I'm just realizing here, and I want to. I'm trying to reschedule it. Um, <laughs> all right. So, hey, I've never heard of this tool, SSH Snake, but guys, you got to remember software is just software. Its intent is what makes it malware, okay? Encryption protects our backups from being, um, you know, compromised from a confidential AI perspective. Threat actors use encryption to encrypt and ransom our data, right? It's, Software is just software. It's it's its use and intent that define it as malware. This group right here, SSH Snake, sounds like it's a um, um, a, a network mapping tool. Those are always useful. Uh, can be used for good, right? Like, oh, hey, I just started here. I'm going to map the network to find shadow IT and, and investigate it. Oh, I'm a pen tester. I'm going to use this to do recon. That's great. But unfortunately... Um, it's a very powerful tool and threat actors can use it for their own malicious activities. And that's what they're doing here. Priceless pancake with a super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Next gen AI marketing strategy used for increased ransomware protection. Buzz, 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 buzz. Thank you, priceless pancake. You can see your AI with a single pane of glass. All right. Um, you can see here, basically the real value here is that the worm actually checks where files uh, credentials are typically stored like .ssh um, directory and and then steals them, right? So basically this makes it easy and uh, less friction for threat actors. Now, um, you would obviously need, uh, this is post-exploitation, right? So a threat actor would have to be on your network. Um, a threat actor would have to be on your network with a uh, user account that has permission to execute um, the SSH snake program. Now it probably doesn't require um, a privileged user account, uh, although you might not be able to access certain uh, uh, directories without certain permissions and stuff. So if you could get on a single box, escalate to root, and then you know run this thing YOLO, uh, then you could probably get a lot of information. The only thing I'm looking for is um, it'd be I'd be curious to see how to detect this. Uh, you can see here, they say in the story, it involves active exploitation of Apache ActiveMQ and Confluence instances in order to gain initial access. As I said just a minute ago, this is a post-exploitation malware, right? Like you, you have to get access to the box first. So, you know, 
it's cyber resiliency, not cybersecurity, but that doesn't mean we should sleep on the protection controls. Uh, multi-factor authentication, patch your stuff. Ah, you gotta patch it. And, you know, just do, do you know, defense in depth fundamentals, right? Like there's a reason they're called fundamentals because like they should be there and they should be, uh, you know, done regularly and consistently and validated. They're still in there. I was looking um, to see if there was a way to determine Ooh, we get a graphic here. Hey, hey, graphic way down in the bottom. Um, let's see. Attacker attacks Apache Hadoop or Apache Druid. And oh, this has nothing to do with SSH. Unfortunately, this doesn't have anything to do with the story. SSH snake. This is more of a Lucifer um, dis distributed denial of service bot uh, malware infection. Anyways, whatever. Um, I guess the TLDR here is. Uh, protect your uh, infrastructure from initial access. But if you see things, if you see one machine querying all your Linux boxes, um, then, you know, that could be a problem, this SSH snake. The other thing I want to point out, this is like a little bit of a um, more, you know, I guess. <clears throat> and DJ BSEC is our resident network engineer. So he can, I, I would love for him to comment on this as well. Uh <clears throat> One thing that you should know is when, when we talk about network traffic in large enterprises or organizations, there's north-south traffic and then there's east-west traffic. North-south is like into and out of the organization. This is normal traffic that we're used to seeing. East-west is like my machine talking to BSEX machine. <clears throat> Typically, north-south traffic is easier to monitor and have firewall rules and detect because it's going through routers and network segments and VLANs and such and traversing the network in and out. Th this is normally what we're watching. East-West traffic, it's it's harder to watch, it's harder to control, but it's not harder to stop. Usually when you have network segmentation in place, you can control that, hey, this VLAN, the end user VLAN cannot talk to the engineering VLAN, right? Like this is controlling East-West traffic, but a lot of organizations don't do it well or if you're only going up to a switch and back down, so like like uh, BSEC and I are both on the end user network and I'm able to traverse that because I'm not going to go through a firewall or any ACLs and stuff like that, then that's where you might be able to have this execute. So my, my point is, if you're going to be looking for this like in a threat hunting way, it, you need to kind of look at it from an east-west traffic perspective as well as north-south. I feel like you're more likely to see the east-west than the north-south unless you see one box traversing into another VLAN. And, and typically, you'll see it traversing in an incremental order, right? Because that's how computers do it. 192.168.1.1.2.3.4.5.6, right? So if you see this, that's indicative of a scan, okay? All right. All right, thank you finds a vast $16.5 million for allegedly selling user browsing data. According to The Record, the FTC, quote, alleges that Avast's Chechia-based cybersecurity software arm used its browser extensions and antivirus software to collect, indefinitely store, and allow a partner company to sell users' web browsing histories from 2014 through 2020 without adequate notice and consumer consent, end quote. 
The sale of the web browsing data was led by Avast's American subsidiary, JumpShot, which allegedly told customers that data from its more than 100 million online global consumers could allow them to, quote, see where your audience is going before and after they visit your site or your competitors' sites, and even track those who visit a specific URL, end quote. Well, it's... All right, this is what happens. Now, I'm... Okay, so guys, data is the new gold. People are getting paid. Great cash, Dude, if you got hit with a $16 million fine, bro, how much money did you make? The FTC typically wants it to hurt, but they don't want to deep six a business. So if if the fine is $16.5 million, brah, how much did you make off of that? Um, a vast... As far as I know, Avast is a um, anti, I didn't hear this, but I've seen Avast be used as an antivirus, anti-malware solution, typically free, but when it's free, you're the product um, typically, right? So yeah, I will say that Simply Cyber does not sell your information. I don't even capture, um, I don't even capture who's here. I, I rely on you to say that you're here and taking a screenshot, right? So Certainly, um, not all businesses do this when when it's a free service. But, um, you know, dude, you got your hand caught in the cookie jar. That that's basically it. Uh, and obviously, they were selling they were selling this to really thirsty companies, right? Like thirst traps. Um, let's see what they um, sold here: web page visited, timestamps, type of device, browser, city, state, country. Um, you can trace individuals across multiple domains. Ooh, yep. Uh, all clicks feed, click during a particular consumer browsing session. Dude, here's the deal. Businesses want to know when you come to their website, where you went, what you clicked on, right? Because they don't want to spend money developing a, a web page to sell you something if nobody goes to that web page, right? It's all about straight cash, homie. So... Anyways, if you were involved in Avast, you won't be seeing any of this money. <laughs> Basically, we are just victims. And, you know, the lawyers get paid and FTC gets money. Like, here's my thing. Like, when FTC hits them with a fine, where's this money go? Like, where's it going? Is it to make things better? Or is it just going to some pool of money? Right? I know I'm certainly not getting a check. I don't know about any of you, but... You know, let's go. Friday, so be sure you're signed up to attend our Super Cyber Game Show Friday later today at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. We're trying something new this week. We are pitting teams of different security pros against each other, and it's going to be a blast seeing which team achieves supremacy and immortality. If right. you want to join in. I didn't even want to listen to all that, but I, I'm like literally, um, hold, hold, just hold one second, okay? One second. All right. Hey, what's up? Um, I'm trying to move my 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, hey, new guy here. Medicus, Medicus blog. Medicus blog. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. All right. Hey, so check it out really quickly. If you were here just for the news, thank you all so very much. Genuinely appreciate it. Shout out to all of you. 
Tito Cybertech in the house. One week teaching in South Carolina in college, or one week teaching Simply Cyber in college, crushing it. Got a lot of positive feedback thanks to the channel, which I mentioned them about. I want to thank you. Thanks, Tito Cybertech. And super happy for you. I'm glad that Simply Cyber, that's one of my favorite things about Simply Cyber. Not only am I doing this kind of like first level of, you know, education and value delivery to you all, but like there's so many um, like Simply Cyber adjacent things that are happening that are awesome. Tito Cybertech uh, showing this here. James McQuiggan is introducing Simply Cyber to his students. Um, Chris Young and Chris Whitlock are doing GRC study hall. Jesse Johnson's doing Slay Security Plus. Some of these things I'm involved with, some I'm not, but I, I, I do feel that they like organically grew out of Simply Cyber. So I'm loving it. I, I just love to see what the community comes up with and how it's all going. Um, all right. So seriously, though, if you were here uh, before you roll out the 439 of you, I do want to say a couple quick things. One, right after the stream at 10 a.m. today um, on Simply Cyber and Barricade Cyber Solutions, uh, we are going live. We are, we're paired with um, Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. You can see here, he's going to be doing a full forensics walkthrough of the ConnectWise Screen Connect vulnerability. Um, this is the big one that John Hammond uh, has been doing a lot of pub on from Huntress. This is the one that you should absolutely fix immediately. If you want to get more differ experience and more knowledge, um, come learn from an expert. Eric Taylor is going to be going deep on this particular thing. Also next week, we've got the man himself, John Hammond, um, coming on uh, for another fireside chat. So that's all about good times. I love it. Uh, Mono Julian dropping a joke in chat. Let's check that out really quickly. Mono Julian, dad tech joke. What did AI, what did AI, the basketball legend say to AI bot? Please don't XSS my site. How did I, how I did Jordan in 97? Oh my God. We just become best friends. Yep. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, uh, Mono Julian. It's great to see you. Uh, give me one second here. Let's see how we're doing. Oh, that's perfect. Hey guys, my 9 a, my 9 a.m. actually had messaged me saying that they had a conflict. Winning. We're winning. Woo! All right, guys. Hey, do me a favor. Uh, if you were here just for the news, we'll see you later. Have a great weekend. Otherwise, let's do this. Hey, Saberstorm, we also have a special segment right at the end. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, stay secure. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Jerry coming at you with Jaw Jacking. Jerry Guy, excuse me, coming at you with Jaw Jacking. We just had a great daily cyber threat brief with Dr. Gerald Dozier. But now it's time to kick it. We're going to do a little AMA action, 30 minutes. Because we like to bring the heat to you all with the Jaw Jacking. I love it. Now listen, Chris Whitlock and Chris Young actually set up a cool bingo card system that we're gonna do on Fridays for fun. And I just forgot it. Um, I forgot about it today because there's just so much going on, <clears throat> um, unfortunately. But I do wanna let everybody know that and tell you that next Friday we will absolutely be doing it. I'll have to figure out figure out like what the bingo looks like. Maybe we can have a prize for the bingos, but uh, 
Yeah, it's all good. Yes, Jonathan, come for the doctor, stay for the Jerry guy. Super cool. So how did everyone's week go? Just so you know, if you're new here, this is just a 30-minute AMA hangout. I am a member of the Simply Cyber community as well as the chief content creator. <clears throat> oh, Marcus, I love it. Yes, you can, Marcus. Yes, you can. All right, guys. So, so many good things going on. Uh, last night, guys, I don't know if you watched the interview I did last night with Sandra, but it was just excellent. I, I recommend you go check it out. Uh, Lagrat says, what antivirus would you recommend if you uninstall the vast? So I know um, I, I like Microsoft uh, Defender, which is more of like an EDR type thing. But I mean, for my for my money, it's fairly effective. Um, you know, I... I I like it. I use it. Um, Ryan Pearson says he uses 2FA on everything and his love for, uh, I, I think you mean Sandra, grew deeper. Yeah. Or hold on. Ryan says, my wife, who is not in cyber, received an email from Bitwarding warning about too many failed attempts. I told her I would recommend changing all passwords to accounts using the email address. And if she really wants to keep important accounts safe, use 2FA. I showed her the app. And then he says... Uh, where is it? Ryan Pearson. Oh yeah, I already used 2FA on everything. All right, so Ryan Pearson's wife, who's not in cyber, uh, is using MFA for everything. Ryan, you married a, a good one, man. You married a good one. Let's see. Cyber Hamburglar says, any tips for me ahead of my CSP, CISSP exam on Monday morning? First of all, Good, good luck on that. Best wishes. Um, I mean, really, for me personally, I'll tell you two things. One, uh, have a great night's sleep the night before. It, it, it can't. It's really can't be overstated how important having rest and being like mentally good <clears throat> is. But for me personally, so I took the CISSP in 2009, so it's been a minute. But what I would recommend is um, the same thing I recommend for any certification exam. I personally do it this way. A lot of certifications exams, uh, cyber ones, are broken into domains. So what I do is I'll take you know a practice exam, but I'll look at my performance for each domain. If the minimum passing grade is a 70, for example, I want my scores to be in the 90s. So if, let's say there's eight domains in CISSP, and let's say four of the domains I have 90s in, I won't even waste time anymore with those. I will only look at the domains that I'm not hitting a 90 in, or even worse if it's like below a 70. And I'll focus on flashcards and studying that particular domain and get it back up. I don't pay much attention to like, domain one is 30% of the exam and domain two is 5% of the exam. I, I, I don't really get into that level of detail. I'll just break it up by the domains and say, I'm weak in the cryptography domain. I need to focus more. Because to me, it's like, it's time allocation, right? Ultimately, I want to pass the exam. And for me, the best way to ensure I do that is to ensure that the areas I'm weak, I'm strongest in, instead of just spending all my time going through practice exam, practice exam, because I'm not getting a lot of value return on my time investment on the domains that I already know really well, like risk. Ooh. All right. Hopefully that answers uh, your question. 
Uh, <clears throat> Habib says, I'm trying, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm trying to set up a guest Wi-Fi for visitors. What would you recommend I do? I have Spectrum as ISP. Uh, Habib, what I would do is um, I would buy a router. Um, <clears throat> like if you want to go really hardcore, you could get like a ubiquity or, um, you know, infrastructure, but get a router. Um, someone would have to answer me on this one. Um, but, well, hold on. The, the short answer is get a router, route your ISP traffic through that. And then on a more advanced router, you'll be able to set up different network segments. And typically a lot of them have like the guest network segment already kind of pre pre-configured, pre-populated. You can just turn it on, but you could also just do a, a network carve out and say, this is the guest segment, you know, 192.168.1.0 through 255 is guest. And then dot two dot one zero through 255 is internal or whatever. That's a simple way to do it. I want to say, um, I'm, give me one second. There are some like consumer, oh, you get to see my, my notes here. So, Hey, here's a fun fact. I don't know which window, uh, stream labs is going to capture. So many of you, who are regulars know this, but basically I have a, a teleprompter uh, with a reflector screen right here. And this is what I look at, but because I, because I'm up here yelling in a room by myself, I like to have an audience to look at. So this is actually a representation of you guys. I found an audience wearing tuxedos and nice dresses. And this is like, <laughs> this is the placeholder for me when I, when I talk to the morning threat briefing. So Hello, uh, all of you. All right, let me change my screen to the actual screen that's going to be the, the one that I need to show you. <clears throat> all right, here's this. So Firewalla, I think Firewalla is like a really simple plug-and-play solution, but I think it has the capability to do what I just told you. Um... I'm not 100% sure. Hold on. I guess I could ask, uh, can I use Firewalla for guest network? <clears throat> yeah, I think... <clears throat> I think you could do... Like, like so I... I run Ubiquity and I, I love Ubiquity, but it's not cheap. Okay. So Ubiquity hardware for your home network is not cheap. And it's like Apple where like you have to get all Ubiquity, like my access points, my gateway, my um, cloud key, my my everything is Ubiquity. So it, it's, it's costly. So a, a more affordable solution, Habib, would be, um, uh, I think that firewall thing, but a lot of networks basically just log into the router and, and look for the guest segment stuff. Okay. Yeah. So a uh, BSEC who's the local network engineer is pointing out, it really depends on your use case, right? If you're trying to do this for a large enterprise or like, say like a large healthcare system where you have multiple guest spots, like different um, places guests can be, that's a way different use case than your your house that you're doing an airbnb and you want to have a network segment for your the airbnb guest that's not on your personal private network <clears throat> um alan escobar is running uh unify dream router yeah exactly uh I, that's what i run i run the um network security gateway router and then i run it into a switch and then i run it into um ubiquity hardware all over the place it's great it's great 
All right. Ooh, Timothy Wilson, first timer. Thanks, Timothy Wilson. Timothy, let me know if you caught the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Let's see. Dude, it is raining something fierce here. Yeah, Sandra on Slay would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, if you do go with uh, Ubiquity, it, it is a great solution. It's just not cheap. You know, like this is a famous thing in consulting, fast, cheap quality, like pick two. That's, that's like a classic saying in consulting and it holds true today. You can have it really fast and really high quality, but you can't have that cheap. You can have it really fast and really cheap, but the quality won't be good. You can have it slow or you can have it high quality and cheap, but it will take a lot of time that, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't have all three. Ah, Timothy did catch the morning breathe. Thank you, Timothy. It's good to see you, Gat. Uh, good to see you. Oh, what's going on, people? All right. Trying to trying to think of like uh, things to share with you guys. Oh, hey, here's another thing that um, is worth sharing. I, 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 I always forget about telling people this, but I'm going to be actually doing some improvements to it soon. But if you didn't know, every single Monday, a newsletter comes out from Simply Cyber. Every Monday is called Crush It Cyber Pro. If you get it, you know what it is. But if you don't, if you're new here, like Timothy Wilson or Saberstorm, I haven't talked about this in probably six months. Every single Monday, it's an email with basically three things that are actionable. One is for your end users, one is for your IT peers, and one is for your executives. And it's actionable intel that you can use to drive cyber risk reduction. I think it's a phenomenal, I think it's a, wow, a phenomenal newsletter or email every Monday. Um, so if you're interested, check that out. It's at simplycyber.io slash newsletter. Thanks, Kimberly. <clears throat> All right. So let me just tell everybody that uh, I'll answer a couple more questions and then I'll, I'll run my mid-roll ad. If you guys are studying for Security Plus, I want to let everybody know that Jesse Johnson is um, doing live streams that help immensely with community building and practicing uh, Security Plus on his Slay Security Plus YouTube channel every Thursday. It's live. He did it last night. It was excellent. Love what he's doing over there. He's leveling up his situation too, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah, Chris Whitlock, Jack Scott was uh, working on AI fairness over with ACI Learning. That's going to be coming out soon. Can't wait. Um, let's see. Do you have a video about takedown requests? Our sock is not making much progress and we could another alternative. Actually, Nicole, I do not have a video on fake site takedown requests. That's a very specific use case, but one that I would, uh, I need, I need like a, I need a, a place to capture ideas. Hold on one second. Let me, I want to write that one down. That's a good one. Oh, it's a good one. 
Nicole feeding feeding the, the feeding the simply cyber. Oh, I see a lot of messaging here. Hold on one second. Uh, Nicole, takedown request video. Very cool. Thank you. Uh, let's see, George. Uh, so George says, "Do you have an update on Night Studios? I received a pause notice on YouTube the other day. What's pause, Sud? What, George? Can you clarify that? I don't understand. I'm still working with Night Studios. Uh, the late night um, show with Jerry is in pre-production, so I don't know. I don't know what a pause, Sud, is." Uh, Jesse Johnson says, Cyber 101 is in the books. What would you advise someone, not me, who wants to follow your footsteps? Uh, so Jesse, it well, Jesse, um, big fan of Jesse Johnson. It depends on what you mean by following my footsteps, like create a YouTube channel, have a cybersecurity career, uh, get into GRC. Uh, qualify that question uh, just a little bit and I'll answer it. What is, what's John Hammond? What is the John Hammond segment going to focus on? Second Chance Nomad asks. So John Hammond, uh, if you guys don't know, John Hammond's awesome. This is a fireside chat. The reason I reached out to John is because, oh, thank you. Uh, the reason I reached out to John is because him and Nahamsek just launched a company. And those guys are both excellent, excellent experts and wonderful people, professionals, red teamers, um, security researchers. So I want to know what the company is, what they're doing, what are the plans, what John's been doing. I'm sure we'll talk about Screen Connect, ConnectWise, Vulnerability, Huntress, um, all those things. So that's what we're going to be talking about, uh, Second Chance Nomad. All right, so Jesse Johnson knows what happened with the logos you were working on. Oh, Cyber Butterfly, that is still, that's still uh, in progress. I'll show you that in a second, and then we'll run a quick ad here. Uh, and then I'll answer Jesse's question about the, um, one second, here we go. So <clears throat> the, um, the, the, the digital graphic designer is going to be, um, developing, um, like, so like simply cyber Academy will have its own fork. Simply cyber daily cyber threat briefing will have its own fork, but it'll all be, uh, made around this particular one. Uh, now, there was some um, different opinions and different favorites in the community, but essentially this is what it's going to look like. I preferred on a dark background and light, but this is it. Uh, you could see here, this is the S and this is the C, but also it looks like, if you look at it from the side, to me, it looks like a fork in the road and choosing a path. Uh, and we've chose the left path in this. So there's a lot of like multiple in insights and meanings in here. And... Um, I think it just looks cleaner. I think it's going to look great on a, on a hat kind of North face vibes to me. Uh, so as this is getting further refined, this is what it's going to be though, as it's main kind of thing. So thanks for asking that. I hope you enjoy it. Um, for those who are looking for course creation, um, if you're looking to get into course creation, uh, it, you know, there's a basic workflow associated with it. Find out what you want to teach, make a course outline, figure out, you know, the value, like, are you going to do labs? Are you going to do just videos? Are you going to have quizzes? Like figure out the curriculum, the overall objectives, and you know, like what's the transformative experience for the student and then get to work, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. 
making a course is a ton of work. I know it doesn't, it looks like you just kind of like throw it together and hit record, but it's, it's, it's way more than that. And then there's management of students afterwards. So just be mindful of that. Um, all right. So, Hey, let's take a quick pause, uh, for station identification and we'll talk about cyber one-on-one for a second. I'll be back after the break. Are you looking to pivot your career into something more secure and exciting? Hi, I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, and I'm here to guide you into the world of cybersecurity. Now, whether you're 25 or 45, switching careers can be intimidating and challenging, especially into cybersecurity, which has an overwhelming amount of roles and disciplines. Now, based on my 20 years of industry experience and years of teaching at the Citadel Military College, I've designed and built Cybersecurity 101 to be your one-stop launchpad to new beginnings. Cybersecurity 101 offers over 22 hours of video content, 100 plus lessons, 12 hands-on labs, all starting from the basics. So whether you have IT experience or not, I've got you covered. This course was designed as a comprehensive college-level curriculum and should take about three months to complete at four hours a week. Try it out and see for yourself. I've made some of the lectures and labs available to access without paying anything so you can see what's going on. Take the first step towards your new career. Visit simplycyber.io slash cyber101 to learn more and enroll in Cybersecurity 101. Your future in cybersecurity starts today. All right. Hey, thank you so very much for uh, staying through that ad roll. I'm very, very proud of Cyber 101 and all the help that it can possibly do for the students in that program. Now, Nerman with a super chat. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Nerman, you're having problem with the THM lab. Do me a favor, Nerman. Um, I have a 10 a.m. meeting. Uh, like, literally, Nerman, this is what's happening, okay? Um, I have a 10 a.m. meeting that goes to 11 and then uh, it's a coffee meeting, so I have to drive to it. I have an 11.30 to 12. That's a recorded interview. I'm a guest lecturer at, in, a, in a class um, from 1 to 2 p.m. I have a 2 to 3 with Brandon. Uh, or excuse me. I have a, um, a 4 to 4.30 with Brandon. I have a 4.30 to 5 with Jesse. I'm, a, I'm open at 2.30, Nerman. Like, if, you are, if you're available at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time... Um, Go into the Cyber 101 student Discord channel and message me there. Do an at Gerald Dozier PhD and I will I will meet with you and we will do a share screen and I will get you sorted out with whatever problem you're having. Is that let me know in chat if that works for you or go to the Simply Cyber um, Cyber 101 student Discord and we can coordinate there. Hey, Glum Hippo, good to see you. Thanks for the super chat. Can we just become best friends. Yep. All right. All right. Let's go on back through here. Emilio Garcia, Canary website clone popped overseas by Google Translate, not rating this as a high risk. Canary website clone popped overseas by Google Translate. Emilio Garcia, can you help me understand that a little bit better? So are you using a Canary token as like a, like a honeypot website? And you're seeing that a threat actor from overseas has accessed it. I, 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 I don't understand exactly what is happening. Um, John Wright has finished 20% of a class. Way to go, John. That's definitely cool. All right. Oh, it's good to see. Hey, thanks for the kind words about the logo. It looks like you guys are... Uh... Yeah, hey guys, like... My schedule is super busy. Like, here's the thing. Like, this is another, like, reality that I don't think people fully appreciate. Like, I get hundreds of emails a day. I get hundreds of DMs a day. 
I get blown up on the regular. I have tons of meetings all the time. I'm constantly like I'm streaming multiple times a day. I'm trying to like, you know, I have to manage my business. I have to pay bills on top of that. You know, I do have a family and a wife and children and I, I cook dinner and I, you know, plan trips and, you know, like be present and, and you know, go to family field trips and stuff like, so it, it's very busy. So sometimes I'm not able to get to everything or like, like, for example, the newsletter. Okay. The newsletter is wildly valuable. I, I, I know it's wildly valuable. But I would like to clean it up. I would like to make it look better, right? Like the, the the image at the top is way too big. I don't have time to fix that, right? But like that, so unfortunately, that's the reality right now is like, I, I do what I can. I do what I can. And I'm, you know, honestly, guys, just as a personal, uh, rep, you know, like reality, you know, I'm grinding. I got this night studios thing coming in hot. I've got multiple speaking engagements over the next three months. I'm keynoting Wild West Hackenfest. I'm I'm tired, guys. I'm tired. I thought finishing Cyber 101 was gonna like give me relief, but I'm tired. And I'm not trying to burn out. I am trying to manage myself uh, appropriately. And um, just just so you guys know, so this isn't a cry for help. This isn't me telling you guys to feel pity for me. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm just being transparent. Okay. But everything's good. Everything's good. I feel great. Okay. But I do have to end the stream at nine 30. Deb Wiggly needs some interns. Hey Deb. Yeah. I, I have some folks helping, you know, obviously the mods, they help. And I love that. Uh, Kimberly can fix it. Uh, helps quite a bit too. Um, you know, for me, like taking on more help and interns and stuff would be cool. It's just, it's more of, identifying like where an intern could help and then doing that. Um, so anyways, I, I, I do. Uh, yeah, guys, by the way, can I just say really quickly seeing Kathy chambers and Deb Wigley in chat right now is just um, chef's kiss. Like it's so, it's so, uh, it's so excellent. Two wonderful people, just to call them out. If you don't know Kathy Chambers and or Deb Wigley, uh, do say hi to them. They are they are just wonderful. They're like they're like movers and shakers in the community, but like in a really really good way. Like they connect people, they deliver value. They are awesome, indiv- like human beings. They are awesome. I love Deb Wigley and Kathy Chambers. It's great to see you two in here. Um, yeah. Uh, the issue, the issue with, uh, THM. Okay. Hold on. All right. All right. Kuda Chimera coming in. Hey, Kuda. Cyber attacks are increasing in Africa. The latest is Malawi immigration department hit by ransomware attack. Not sure which group is responsible. Oh, that sucks, man. So it's funny. Like, uh, Africa, first of all, uh, simply cyber community has like a pretty good African, uh, contingent representation, but we also see that like Nigeria is investing heavily in education and beefing up their uh, cyber capabilities. Um, obviously, South Africa has been in there. Ethiopia is pushing hard. Ghana, which unfortunately is known as like ground zero for romance scams, uh, is starting to invest in cyber. So, but with that, you know, you start getting more attention of cyber threat actors in that space, and it sounds like um, you know they're getting hit. 
Alan Escobar says, how do you do the LinkedIn challenge? Alan, that's a very good question. Very easy. Uh, just go on LinkedIn and search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And connect to the people who are posting, comment on their posts, and you will absolutely straight crush it. Here, let's do a demonstration, shall we? Let's do a demonstration live on screen. LinkedIn. Whoops. No, not LinkedIn. Okay. So we're, we're on LinkedIn. We're going to search for the hashtag simply cyber community challenge. Hit enter. Right. I'm going to look for posts in the past, like past week, right? You can see here, here's Anthony Vorsi's post from one day ago. Right? Hold on one, one second. I want his post. Here's Anthony's post from one day ago. I don't often get to catch up with Gerald Dozier. So he's put the hashtag simply cyber community challenge in here and he's posted me and I reshared that. Okay. So now look at, I'm a first degree connection with Anthony and uh, I forget who asked the question, but whoever asked the question, you would connect with Anthony at this point. Then you would come down here and drop a comment. Now I, I'm scrolling through the people who are commenting on this thing and I'm looking for anyone that I'm not a first level connection with. Let's see, anybody? Nope, I am a first level connection with everybody, it would appear. Come on, I'm trying to do a demonstration here. Here, Cigar Master is a second level connection with me. So I click on him and I say hello and I connect and I say add a note, uh, simply cyber community challenge. And then I hit ascend. And now I've grown my network by one. And Cigar's grown his network passively. Do you see how it works? It's as easy as that. And then just rinse and repeat, dude. Five minutes a day, you'll be happy. All right. That's a good question. How is the Cyber 101 class, Carrie? I, I would be curious to know how his experience has been. Ooh, can I shoot? Uh, that's very cool. Let's see. Yeah, hack sauce. Maybe we shouldn't call it challenge. I don't know. I think it's cool. Hey, so guys, if you didn't know, uh, Slay Security Plus, I told you every Thursday they're going live, but they always have special guests with them. BSEC was there a couple of weeks ago. This week, next week, excuse me, a week from yesterday, Space Tacos, our Simply Cyber Team SC community members own Space Tacos, will be the special guest. And if you want to know, Space Tacos just finished a uh, audit, uh, cybersecurity audit of the cybersecurity department. A lot of uh, great experience. Very GRC-E. Um, oh, by the way, while I got you here, uh, Deb Wigley, I sent an email to you and Jason about a uh, collab idea, a GRC t-shirt. I don't know if you saw that, but let me know. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, I'm just going to bring it up on screen because I, 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 I really think it's really, really cool. Let, let me do this. Okay, so check this out really quickly. Um, Simply Cyber and Black Hills have talked about collabing on some stuff. These are GRC shirts. Personally, I think this one is so hot. Oh, 
that Hansel's so hot right now. This one, you can't really see it on screen, but the one on the second tier left, I think that's so cool. Very, it gives me very, um, uh, like, uh, RoboCop vibes. RoboCop vibes. All right. Anyways. CJ asks, how do you answer when you when a company asks you, do you want to work for them in a job interview? How do you answer when you when a company asks you, why do you want to work for them in a job interview? Great question, CJ. Uh, I mean, definitely don't say because I'm I, I, I'm desperate for a job or don't say because I'm looking to make the most amount of money. Uh, really what you should say, and by the way, you have to be genuine. If you lie to this question, it will be very obvious to everybody. So you have to answer the question. I would say before you go into a company for a job interview, look at what their mission is, right? Look at what their mission is. If they're healthcare, um, you know, patient, uh, you know, patient safety, if they're, um, you know, uh, financial, maybe, maybe it's not their mission. Maybe it's because of the challenge. Cause you know, threat actors are constantly targeting financial services, like whatever it is, ask yourself that question and be honest with your inner monologue and then have that at the ready. Um, you want to be genuine and you want to be like, you know, legit. Right. So, uh, that's what I would say to that question. Oh, also I want to, um, hold on one second. I want to, I want to, I got to do this really quickly. I want to share this with everybody. I have a, um, I have a cool, a cool thing I want to share. And then I got to go. Okay. Check this out. If you guys didn't know, this is a cool thing that we've been doing. This is mod chat. You can see the mod chat with the RoboCop stuff. Guys, really quickly, if you're on the Simply Cyber Discord server, one new thing that we've done recently, uh, and this was CJ's idea, but it's really taken off. We have the Simply Cyber local meetup section. So if you live in Kansas City, they've got a very healthy local meetup section. Toasty Pops runs that. Detroit, hey, Motor City, Marcus Kyler's up in there. Hey, Florida, Kimberly can fix it's the ambassador for there. CJ's over in Vegas. I happen to be in the low country. Augusta, Austin, New Orleans, Colorado, Jesse Johnson. DMV, if you're in the uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia triangle area, get up on that. So I want you to know this is like a new thing, but um, it's very cool. I'm seeing a lot of uh, great traction uh, with that. So like clearly people are excited and enjoying that. So if you're looking to connect with... I know this sounds like a, a, a dating hookup thing, but if you're looking if you're looking to connect with locals in your area, but more on a professional cybersecurity uh, side of things, definitely check that out. I see a lot of people sharing like, hey, here's an upcoming conference or here's a job opportunity or here, you know, like let's meet up and have beers. So um, get up on it and check it out. I think it's super cool and I'm super proud of it. So uh, I'd love for you uh, to check it out and see if it works for you. All right. Final thing I'll say, sim simply because Deb and I are twinning today. If you're interested in this shirt I'm wearing right now, the Spearfish General Store is where to get it. I'll drop a link in chat. I love the Spearfish General Store. Like 90% of my t-shirts are Black Hills InfoSec shirts. But here's the one I'm wearing right now. And it's wicked awesome. Super comfy feel. Super good. The, the, the graphics don't uh, wash off after time. So uh, get up on that. Super cool.
All right, guys. And if you are, um, if you want to see another uh, community local meetup area uh, on the server that's not there, and you want to volunteer to be the ambassador, which basically means you just kind of keep that local meetup thing healthy and answer questions if people drop in there, let me know, and I'm happy to facilitate creation of that. Alpha Sierra's in the Tennessee one. Very nice. All right, guys. Hey, it's been lovely. I've enjoyed the crap out of this. Sorry, Kennedy. Thank you all for being here. Have a wonderful day. I hope you got value from the stream, both the Daily Cyber Threat Brief and the jawjacking segment. We got, a, we got a great week planned up for you next week. Remember, next week we've got the Cyber Starters Retrospective, Daily Threat Briefings every morning. Jackson, Erica with two cyber chicks is dropping their second episode of the season. And we'll have uh, John Hammond. If you want at 10 a.m. today, right after the, uh, in 30 minutes, Eric Taylor will be going live. You can catch it on Simply Cyber. It is paired, so you will be able to see it. Uh, go check it out. If you're interested in digital forensics, if you're interested in technical nitty gritty, getting your hands dirty, uh, then this is going to be the right fit for you. Let me go ahead and share a link to it. If you are on Simply Cyber and have the bells for notification, you'll just be notified. Uh, same on the Discord server. All right, I'm Jerry, your chat. You guys freaking rock. Have a great day. And until next time, stay secure. Secure? Secure? I am Ron Burgundy. Stay secure. Later, y'all. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. One.